live from Jim Bob Cooter's Swamp Hovercraft. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. You don't know that he's a redneck just because his name is Jim Bob. Never mind. Dear Lord, the name Jim Bob Cooter, could you get any more ridiculous? Could you have any more of a Swamp Hovercraft name? I just am so happy that it's not short for James Robert. His name is Jim Bob. <laughs> James Robert Cooter. Uh, I believe that's called a hydrofoil, boys. A hydrofoil. Your swamp boat is called the hydrofoil. I'm your host of this amazing podcast. I don't want to know why you know that. <laughs> he watched the Danny DeVito, uh, or, uh, I know that, that old <laughs> Burt Reynolds movie where he fights <laughs> crocodiles. Okay, there we go. <laughs> oh my god. I don't even know what movie either one of you are talking about. Or no, it's not Danny DeVito. It's uh, um, Joe Pesci and Danny Glover. Oh, wow. <laughs> Was it Gone Fishing? Kevin, you were I think I'm talking, way too I, I think I'm literally talking about a movie called Gator. Yes. <laughs> You are correct. <laughs> Burt Reynolds I mean, in Gator. I, isn't his name Gator in the movie? Yeah, I believe too? he is Gator. Yeah, Cobra with Sylvester Stallone was the spiritual Following successor. the events <laughs> of, White, of the movie White Lightning, Gator McCluskey has been released from prison and is living in Okafinoki Swamp. So you're telling me Gator is like the Godfather 2 of this White Lightning series? Sure. That's... that's uh, that's a this is a huge waste it's of the time. First, it's the first film. It's the first film ever directed you just by. Just summarize Bert. this podcast yes. completely. It's the first film ever directed by Burt Reynolds. And the last. Nope. No. Smoking the Bandit Three. The end. Sharky's Machine. Stick. The Man from Left Field. Hard Time. And the last producer. Can we save this for movie night at the end of the podcast? Let's just let's just get we, all. Our, we need to watch Gator. This people right now are like clicking. They're like unsubscribe from Burt Reynolds facts, please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you are listening to the Seahawks Nest. It is a Seahawks podcast. Do not be fooled. I'm your host, Eric Ronnebeck. With me is the man who knows way too much about Burt Reynolds, Nathan Santo. Gator! <laughs> and the man who knows way too much about Gone Fishing, and that's Kevin Garber. I've expended my Gone Fishing knowledge, but we're good with that. Yeah, now I'm going to go home and be like, I wonder when Gone Fishing and Gator are going to be on, on the cable box. All right, so gentlemen, we're coming off a 25 to 23 ass kicking of the 49ers. Man, we dealt with them like like we've dealt with teams all season. You know, just if all barely. Of those field goals were touchdowns, it would have been a drubbing. Yeah, and we we put in, a lot of field goals. Uh, uh, we put in Boykin when the game was still in reach for the 49ers, I mean realistically oh, yeah. score-wise. Uh what do we want to talk about with this game? Uh I mean, I'm not talking ends of the ball. I mean, what was your overall feeling of this game? Despair? Okay. Is despair a feeling? Or is yeah, despair is definitely a feeling. A general sense of... I, I felt like at some point, uh, even the team didn't care if they got the third or fourth seed anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, they were just like, screw it, who cares? It's like they saw the results of the Washington game and were like, eh, all right. Is that, is, I mean, with Washington losing, oh, how the hell do you lose to the Giants, by the way, when your playoff lives depend on I mean, it? Nine other teams did it, so... I guess. I mean, at that point, it, it just came down to whoever lost that Green Bay-Detroit game was coming to Seattle. Uh, let's, let's go over ends of the football. Offense or defensive first, Kevin? Your choice. Well, we Ooh, take a play, the offense. player's choice. Yeah. Right? Great. I mean, I know we really want to talk about this game, so. I, Russ didn't get sacked. That was good, but it's mostly because the 49ers are really bad at sacking people. Um, Collins had an interesting game. He had seven carries for 55 yards. He was almost eight yards per carry. Uh, a lot of it came on a 26 yard run. But even if you subtract that 26-yard run out, he still had a respectable average around five yards per carry. Rollins is really rounding into form. I really like how he is, uh, how Collins is hitting the line. How he hits, how he hits the pressure, how he hits the first contact. I, I feel like he's, he's coming in fast. He's not darting away from it. His, his first cut could, could be him hitting a guy. And I like, he's taking that and he's not fumbling anymore. Yeah, he was, he was both talked very about, important things. Very, he was talked about as a guy who could go in the second round as the lead up to the draft happened, and he's one of those guys where the combine really hurt him. He was a three-time thousand-yard rusher in the SEC at Arkansas. He split time with Jonathan Williams. He's part of a really productive backfield, and then he ran like somewhere around like a four-six forty-yard, and his stock plummeted. So. Picking him up in the fifth round was a really good value pick. I liked him as a player. He seems to be coming into his own. I don't think he's a great back right now. He has a lot of, like, his. he needs to learn how to pass block better. He, as do all our backs. Yeah. Um, and our offensive line. <laughs> Sorry. And our tight ends. And our Man, tight ends. there's a theme. Um, 
But I think he's a good back to have if you're running a multi-back system. Like if we have CJ Procise back. If we if we can get something out of Thomas Rawls. I have a feeling about Thomas Rawls. And Nathan kind of hit on this last week. All right. Rawls is one of those players where when he's completely healthy, he's a good player. But he's the type of player who's going to get hurt. And when he gets hurt, he is much less effective. Yeah, he just runs out of control. He's just out of control. I thought the offensive line didn't play that bad in this game against the 49ers. That doesn't say a lot since the 49ers are like the, JV team. the worst That's team. still a good game to have going into the playoffs, especially I, against the Lions who I mean, who's the be- who is their be- who is their def- best defensive player in that game? Um, like Michael Wilhoyt, Aaron Lynch, like they don't have they have all these guys you have just not heard of. Tremaine Brock. Like it's just it's like a who's who of like got and I'm not surprised our tight ends tore them apart. Like, Wilson was just getting off in that game. Luke Wilson last not three games. Luke Wilson usually yeah. does, right? Uh, he caught three, he caught all three targets, proving once again you never want to throw to Luke Wilson more than three times in a game. And, <laughs> you know, he had 26 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown was a nice catch. It was a good play. Yeah, I'm a little worried, though, that we got of the 33 dropbacks Russell Wilson had, he was pressured on 14 of them against a team that doesn't really – Seemed to have very impressive pass rush, and then he, he did. He went four for thirteen. When you say pressure, bags. Nathan, just just for people listening, can you describe what a pressure is? So pressure is any time a defensive player uh, affects the outcome of the play. Uh, so like either he makes him throw before he makes him throw early, uh, he hits him or he sacks him. Okay. So it's a hurt. That so makes him throw early. That's called a hurry. Then if he hits him, that's a hit. And if he sacks, and we all know about the sacks. And is that just like the guy? They actually didn't get any sacks, but they hurried or hit him 14 times. He went four for 13 on those, those, uh, those passes, which is pretty bad. Luckily, it's, it's not going to be that bad next week either. Yeah. That's a good, uh, this is a good time for a listener question. So we talked about it a lot last week on the podcast, but Dre, or as Nathan likes to go with the at, he, uh, at the A-H. The H, man. No, H. it's the A-H. Oh, man. I'm reading it right here. Come on, dog. You're, that's got to be wearing the, that's gotta be rag, the H. Kevin. Come on. You got to have the H. <laughs> the H. I uh, just realized that... Uh, so, uh, on the tweet, they're asking, is it worth firing all of the O-line except for Brit and starting brand new? To which I would argue, no, we want to keep Glowinski and Effetti also. I actually don't even care if we keep Glowinski, to be honest, at this point. Glowinski, I could take him or leave him. I think he's a useful NFL player. He's very cheap. I uh, mean, yeah, if we could pick up a... if we, it's But if, if we're picking up a guard that's actually really good to make Glowinski the backup, I am more than fine with that. That's I, agreeable. I don't... It's yeah. one of those, like, if you want the best offensive player who's going to... offensive. Lyman, who's going to be on the board when we draft, it's probably going to be like Dan Feeney, the, and he's an offensive guard out of Indiana. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's just not a lot of tackles in the, there's one, there's like one or two good tackles in free agency this year. So it's going to be hard for us to get a, a good tackle out of this year's free agent crop. Hey, you'll get a good look at one of them. It's Riley Rife, or Rafe, who's a, a offensive tackle for Detroit. So, you know, Vikings, if you want to do yourself Vikings, a little scouting. Vikings are going to lose a good offensive tackle to someone. I don't know who's going to pay Khalil a lot of money, but someone will. Someone will overpay Khalil, and the I hope mean, would be... To be honest, he's probably worth it because just of how little tackle talent there is yes. out there. He's and probably Vollmer's going to get way overpaid, too, because he was from New England. Vollmer, Vollmer's not worth it. Well, money. you're talking about paying for a position to, like, the Seahawks look like they're not going to have that much money for to spend on cap on extra players next year, and... This isn't a team that's investing in the offensive line. Over the last three years, they've they've taken less. I should take say more and more money out of their investing into the offensive line. That's not where this team spends its money. And I was holding out hope, much like the H, that we would spend money in the off season. I'm I'm kind of resigned to the fact that we are just going to keep building our team through the draft, and hopefully that makes us unstoppable. But it's not looking good if you're really hoping we can get this line better immediately. Yeah, this isn't the draft you want to try and do that through. Yeah, or the free agent. That, that bumps uh, me out. It's, it's going to, honestly, it's going to come from getting a new offensive line coach. 
Uh, I think that we're at a point. Everyone wrote a think piece this week about Tom Cable. Uh, there was one on Fan Sided. There was one on Hot Blogger. There was one on Field Goals. Like everyone wrote a think piece about Tom Cable this week, and you can't help but agree with what most of what people are saying. He's worn out as welcome. He probably is telegraphing some of his plays because he's trying to make up for how subpar the talent is. He's not doing enough to improve the subpar talent. Like there, you can't help but just say, yeah, those things are probably all a hundred percent true. Yeah, Hawkbogger had a really nice, uh, they set it up with pictures you could really see. They were telegraphing with wide splits, with changes in their stances, tackles in two-point stances or three-point stances to telegraph if it's a run or a pass, you know. And we've been saying really the last two seasons, you know, you're watching the game and you're going, oh, man, it's like they're reading our playbook. Well, you know, not too far off there. Yeah, it's, Kevin and I, we, we talked about this on the way over here. It's it's really frustrating, <clears throat> and hats off to the Hawk blogger for this. Uh, I played offensive line, not professionally, obviously, but getting in your stance, like you can, it's it's kind of a poker face thing. If you change your stance, uh, it, it tells you what you're going to do. And I mean, Warren Sapp said it, man. Yes, Warren Sapp said Tom, Warren Sapp Tom Cable quote. gives gives the plays away. He's not he's telling me exactly what he's doing, and his players don't even know it. Remember, this is Tom Cable who coached the Raiders. And that Raiders team had a winning record. But their pass blocking was terrible. Tom Cable has a long running record now of 20th or worse ranked pass blocking units. Yeah. It's just year after year after year. And at some point, I mean, I think it goes against what Pete is saying. If all the players need to compete, I think on some level, Tom Cable needs to as well. And if we go out in the first or second round of the playoffs, I think that he's the guy that needs to take the fall. Do you think they'll do that because Pete Carroll is a, these are my guys and I'm sticking to my guys? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he will do it. And I that, don't that, know, but I think that, it's what needs to happen. But I think, I, I honestly feel like him and Bevel both need to go. It's that, funny though, in this, like, Bevel is kind of getting a little leash from a lot of fans because they're saying, you know, Cable is definitely a bigger problem. And like we talked about last week, maybe Bevel can make something work if the players have time. I mean, I, I wonder what the play, what his playbook would look like if he knew that, hey, I'm going to be able to actually have Russell Wilson do this kind of three-step drop or run this kind of play. It's just there's so much of the playbook that's probably completely thrown out. And uh, it doesn't get any better when like other talented players get hurt too, like Lockett, like guys who run can run short routes really well. Now we're stuck with uh, a bunch of guys who need more time to get open or to, to do the things that they do best. Uh, I... Yeah, I do Lockett think was an ideal weapon in a Daryl Bevel Jimmy, offense. Jimmy Graham, like, he, they need to start using Jimmy Graham more creatively, but I wonder if he feels like, how creative can I be if he, this play is just going to get blown up and I'm going to lose four yards and everyone's going to be on my my ass because I'm losing four yards with the, when really I couldn't have done anything. Because I do think, like, ideally, you use Jimmy Graham the way that, like, the Patriots use Aaron Hernandez or the Redskins use Chris Cooley. Like, you use him as, like, an H-back. You use him in creative ways to try to get him the ball as much as possible. Yeah, split him out, move him around. Split him out wide, split him out short, put him in the backfield, put him put him in weird spots on the field just to try to get him a matchup, you know? Congratulations, third week in a row we talked about Chris Cooley. Uh, Chris Cooley is, like, a all-time great, oh, I like, know. weirdly utilized talent guy. And, and he's, also, he's you, not that old you can Google it and see his dong. Well, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us on the Seahawks Net... Um, no, I mean, going back to, to know Tom. your audience, <laughs> uh, Tom Cable. I mean, this guy had success as a head coach and he got fired. You wondered why uh, he's been here for a while. We talk about how important the zone blocking scheme is. Now, a lot of people are calling to get rid of him as opposed to Bevel. I'm on this train. I want something to change on the offensive I, line one way or the other. I, are we sticking to zone blocking if we get rid of Cable? Maybe, but even, okay, let's say we get rid of Cable and someone else comes in. I think then you instantly go to Bevel and you say, who do you want to be the offensive line coach? Or you consult with him, you know, and he picks his guy. And then if that fails, then it's on Bevel. Like you don't give him like a huge leash of like, oh, we're going to give you two years to figure this out. It's like, hey, you're, we're going to do this this year. We're turning over our offensive line coach. You're going to, who's our, who's our guy for offensive line coach, you know, and he brings in whoever, I don't know, Chip Kelly. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, then it either happens or it doesn't, right? So, so what he handpicks a guy, and then let's say it doesn't work out, and then you fire both, and then you're yeah, and then you're just starting a new op- then you get a different offensive coordinator. I don't know. I, I guess I'd rather just fire both now, skip the step. But I mean, it's not. I I have a feeling that Bevel would succeed in this situation. I, there's there's head coaching hype around Bevel for a reason, I think, and that 
it's these. It's not that just all teams are stupid or like they don't understand what's going on. I don't think he's a terrible offensive coordinator. I think he's a very middle of the road offensive coordinator. I think with his coaching ability, not all head coaches call the offensive plays. So it sounds like he could get someone he likes and still be a good head coach. I'd be okay if he left. I really want Cable gone. Remember, Cable is like the uh, you know uh, what is it? Alex Gibbs, like the uh, I mean, what is this legendary O line coach? Is this the first year since Bevel took over OC though that we haven't been like a top five DVOA offense? But how you're much the DVOA of the last, guy? You how much that. of the last several years has it been? Like, how many times have we sat down on this podcast and talked about? Yeah, things weren't going very well until Marshawn Lynch or Russell Wilson just took the game over well, and it, did everything. But how much of that, of that is play calling though? Like, like. You know, you'd say, like, oh, Marshawn Lynch wore teams down over the course of a game, right? But, I mean, that's Bevel sticking with the run, right? That's Bevel, like, sticking to his guns and saying, we're running Marshawn 24 times, and we're going to, like, shove it down your throat, and eventually you're going to crack because it's just too much pressure for anyone to take. Like, that's good play calling. Well, even, that's... If it, even if in the first half it was infuriating because you're like, man, we can't get anything going. Well, except it was more like, we're going to run Marshawn Lynch down your throat while throwing bubble screens to Brian Walters. Yeah, that happened hey, a lot last year. Gotta, you gotta gotta get Juanita's finest his uh, his touches. Well, also Kevin, I mean, I think that since we won the Super Bowl, we've become that second half team. You know, we've started slow, kind of like every game we start slow and then we pick it up, and then as the season goes on, we we pick it up. That happened except for this year, and really, it can go back to last that year. That happened with the Super Bowl team and the team before the uh, team that played against team. Atlanta. Yeah, and. That's because we were a run-first offense. When you're a run-first offense, you're by nature a second-half team. You basically run the entire first half of the game setting up your opportunities Absolutely. for the second half. Can and you that's run- fine, but... Can you run with this offensive line, though? And and without without really challenging you... Nope. I nope. think the statistics and everything show it, but Not with how much of that's Bevel? How much line. of that's Cable? How much of that's the talent? I think, I think it's all to blame. I will, at this point, and I'm I'm not trying to give Bevel a pass, but in that argument, I believe it's the talent, and I believe it's got to be coaching in the offensive line because the offensive line it's it's easy to just blame Bevel. I think it's it's more it's harder to just like to try to I don't know. I think it's I think our play calling is vanilla this year because our offensive line makes like four million dollars and has no talent on it. I guess for me, it's the last three seasons I have been unhappy with the play calling, and this dates back to before the great offensive line purge. I I've been. I, I think mean, that's. Fair. I feel like it's hit or miss. He runs hot and cold, and like, but every offense coordinator is like that. No team plays good offense hundred percent of the time. That's not New England Patriots. You know, it's just it's the teams are few and far between that can just constantly run great offense. I mean, look at Drew Brees. Three games this season, he just put up total stinkers. Like, right in a row. So, I mean, even really great offensive players will just have bad stretches. And I don't know. I'm just saying that he's he's not he's not the, the solely to blame or even, I think, mostly to blame. I think the, the argument that, you know, Kevin, of you saying Daryl Bevel is pissing you off, I think that's totally fair. I think it's justified. It boils down to me the offensive line play. And, yeah, there's talent, but I don't feel like – Cable is transforming the players. I 100% agree. That's why I'm saying I think we need offensive tackles. I think we need an offensive line coach. And I think if we're doing that level of purge, I want to just get the new OC now. I get the feeling we're not going to get rid of anyone, so it doesn't really matter. I tend to agree. But... This is too sad now. Now it just got really sad. <laughs> okay, well, um, we've we've hit this. Anything about uh, Doug Baldwin or receivers you want to go into before we hit defense? Doug Baldwin played Magic the Gathering. On stream, on the Card Kingdom stream that I uh, that I hosted. How'd that feel? Uh, it Were was, you tingly? I, I wasn't there. I wasn't hosting it when it happened, but it was cool. Doug Baldwin played against uh, against you know Cassius Marsh, who actually plays Magic. It was pretty cool just to, <laughs> just to watch them play play like this a uh, stupid card game that I play. It was kind of neat. <laughs> Paul Richardson caught four out of seven targets for forty yards. He had a really solid little game. He had a nice afternoon. Tanner um, McAvoy two for two, baby. Yeah, my, I like what McAvoy brings to the table. He's my guy. Uh, Jermaine Curse, two for seven for 45 yards. <laughs> your, your typical low efficiency Jermaine Curse game. Two for seven. Yeah, Jermaine Curse, dude. Not not doing it. Uh, Marcel J- Reese, two for two. JD McKissick, two for two. McK- oh, wow. That's uh, JD Yeah, JD McKissick. McKissick's a wide receiver who we were lining up as our third down running back. So that's the thing that happened. 
Interesting. Uh, which, on that note, you had JD they were McKissick. talking about CJ Procise uh, yep. possibly being available. Well, like in two weeks, I've heard. Like this week, you think he's going to be available? No. Uh, okay. Like if we make it to the divisional round, there's a chance we'd have him. So maybe next week. That's ooh, that's bold, Kevin. That's yeah. bold. Well, JD McKissick was like the most hyped Falcon. Like Falcons, hardcore Falcons fans were super into him this preseason. And so I'm sure that if uh, it'd be cool if two weeks from now we played the Falcons and he was important in the game. Yeah, that like would a be big the McKissick game. revenge game. Yeah, yeah I he, can't believe I said that. He's uh, one of the Arkansas State Red Wolves. And Ooh, so, uh, he's, he's supposed to be like really fast. Is Arkansas State, State College in Arkansas? Arkansas State had a has a really like, it's like a balls out, air raid, like throw everywhere, deep offense. So they're like one of those fun teams that gets destroyed by any team with superior talent but just absolutely runs everyone else out of the stadium. So I'm just happy to have a player from that team because that's a fun style of football. You say so. I I, I would agree with that, I suppose. Uh, anything else before we hit defensive, Kevin? Um, before we get defensive? No, I think that's about it. John, I mean, Ryan, John Ryan rushing attempt. Whoa, what? I don't know. He's had a rushing attempt on the score sheet. I just want to – I don't remember it at all. fumble a snap? I don't remember this happening. Yeah, well – it says it on the score sheet. So, uh, yep, that's a thing that exists. The great analysis. <laughs> well, I, just, I, I saw that it was on the score sheet, and I didn't. I couldn't remember John Ryan running in the game. Tweet at Seahawks Nest if you remember why this is on the score sheet. <laughs> I mean, it's that he has two rushing attempts this year, and one was in the San Francisco game. So I don't, I don't know. Not the first San Francisco game. Nope, this one, seventeen, week seventeen. It's on Pro Football Reference right here. That's crazy. The mystery of the John Ryan rushing attempt. That's, uh, that. Did we like, did we like fumble a field goal snap and then he like ran it for zero yards? I was going to say, did he oh, run forward and punt the, it? Oh, uh, was that um, the bad snap? It could be. That, that 100% that counts as a rushing attempt. Okay. That might be what happened. Okay. So can we talk about bad snapping then? Cause I yeah, think let's that, talk about that, that leads us into it. Let's, nicely. let's, let's go past defense and go straight to that. Cause we talk about all. Three facets of the game. That's right. On We're the only podcast. podcast that not only gives you information you want to hear, but we give you special teams. And yeah, we talk about Gator. <laughs> Diss, dude. Just dissing on special teams like that. Dude, kickers are players too, so are punters. So go for it. Go give us that special teams knowledge. I'm, I'm craving it. Okay, I got. So I want to talk about Hauschka. People right. are starting to be afraid that Hauschka is going to leave in the offseason. How. How much of Hauschka's troubles this year, especially from 20 yards or 30 yards or less, which of which he has missed multiple 30 yard or less field goals, how much of those troubles are on Hauschka and how much of those troubles are on uh, like the, the bad snapping and like our kind of incompetent special teams blocking? So there are a few things with that. Bad snaps are definitely a factor. Like, they just are. And it. I think part of the thing that's happening with blocks are that John Ryan's a good placeholder, but when the snap's bad, it takes him longer to get it in position. And so I think that's throwing off the timing a little bit. We all know how big that is for kicks. This is not a joke. Mike Holmgren called Matt Hasselbeck the the best uh, ball catcher and setter for kickers he's ever seen. This is not a joke. Continue. The other thing is that... Glowinski has some trouble on special teams. For as much as I think he's a pretty average offensive guard. Is he still on the left on the special teams, Kevin? I believe he's still on the left. He okay. seems to have some trouble with the way that they line up. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Maybe it's the style that people rush the interior offensive linemen. But if you notice, a lot of the pressure comes from over the top of Glowinski on those special teams plays. And maybe that's loading up on the side of the field that Hauschka tends to hook his kicks towards, or I'm not really sure exactly why, but definitely that seems to be a factor. I think that, you know, it might be one of those things where maybe he's not the best guy to have out there on those plays. I know that I I blame the, the tie against the Cardinals. I don't blame Hauschka for that because he did miss a field goal, but we were playing with injured Russell Wilson, who couldn't do much. And the kick that Hauschka missed and the one that he didn't miss, he hooked. Remember there was a kick that like hit the upright and went in? Yeah. Uh, there was immense pressure, and you saw it in last week's game against the Cardinals, immense pressure coming from Hauschka's right side. So like we're not, not where... be the left side of the line. Yeah, not where Glowinski blocks. 
um, the opposite side. And it looks like, you know, they, they wouldn't get through, but they'd almost get through. And if you see that out of the corner of your eye, you're going to hook it left. Just naturally, you're going to try and rush that kick. You're going to try and get that in quicker. And I think that's what happened in that in both Arizona games. And I wonder how much that goes on in every game. The other thing I've noticed is that in general, our line on kicks is a little more bunched. And so I think the pressure on the edge has doesn't have quite as far to go around. And that's also leading to a little more pressure off the edge. Because if you look, we have a lot of pressure off the edge. Again, they're not getting there, but they're getting really close. That's, and, a, that's a theme for the season on the offensive line from the edges. Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm worried because, you know, he's he's not making really short ones. Which It just seemed like Hauschka was like infinitely reliable from short range. And he makes a lot of money for a kicker. He inside of fifty, he was the most reliable kicker in the league for a few years there. But you know, like we talked about already, kickers are relief pitchers of football. You know, it might be time to go out and find another one and use that savings to the, the, shore up some other the, spots. The thing that bothers me the most this year is he's mixed six extra points, which just seems like way too many. To he's me. missed more extra points than field goals, right? Yeah, he's he's eighty-two point nine percent on extra points and eighty-nine point two percent on field goals, and I feel like. If there's one thing you should be doing in practice, it's kicking a boatload of those extra points. You know, well, I you guess should, with this team, you don't have to. You should know exactly where you want to get the ball on the hash mark and where how much you want to kick it. You know, like it's that should be like one kick. You have it set up perfectly. A good number of those are blocks, but some of those are still probably on Ashka. Yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, that's and weird. Then the John Ryan rush, it's the safety. I guess they count that as a zero yard rush. I don't really understand it. Okay, yeah. Sure. Huh. Well, because it has to be attributed to somebody, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I look. I literally like did a deep dive on this and uh, just because I was curious. And then now I'm sure that everyone was yelling at the podcast for like a solid like three minutes. Like, God, that idiot. So. <laughs> okay, I got I got it, guys. I got it. Thanks. Okay, let's... Um, We're at Seahawks on Twitter if you want to correct us. That's right. Oh, yeah, we love... Twitter's we, favorite thing. Twitter's favorite thing to do is to correct someone who's wrong. Like today I tweeted like... <laughs> Uh, I was trying to make fun of. I was like, Osweiler versus Connor Cook only on ESPN, and someone's like, and ABC, and I was just like, man, people love to correct people on Twitter. Why does that matter? Like, <laughs> I like just, your response. <laughs> now you get both TVs going. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm gonna turn on two TVs and watch it on both TVs. I will say, if that guy's listening, that that was that made that whole conversation did end up making me laugh really hard. So good job, by, good job by <laughs> so you. So when I read back over our Twitter, I feed to be able to grab the questions for today i read through that entire conversation and laughed as well so you've brought joy to this podcast sir and we thank you Uh, let's you're uh, probably not listening (laughs) (laughs) let's hit the defense of kevin uh i want to talk at andrew saaa8 by the way if you uh i just want i gotta call it the twitter handles man there it is big shouts shouts. (laughs) big shouts uh what do you what do you want to give us on this defense? Uh Wagner had a crap load of tackles again. He had twelve. Uh I think he's had a franchise record. All season. He yeah. led, he led the league by intact by ta- on he led the league in tackles by like twenty. Yeah. So which is the RBIs of football. Yeah, right. Like it, a, a lot of people don't really care about it and it seems really good, but you don't really know or not. Like yeah. it's it's like hard to figure out if it how much it really matters. Because there's guys that just rack up tackles on garbage teams, and you're like, how good is this guy really, though? But this is what we talked about in the preseason, when you have a couple of big, bulky defensive tackles, like uh, Jaron Reed and a type of Rubin. You mean Jaron Reed, uh, Frank Frank Clark Puncher? Well, you know, I mean, they somebody got, had to. They got heated. They got they were very got, angry at each other. Yeah, that was that was pretty intense. That's something that I don't want to see again. Yeah, Cam, Cam came over and yelled, too. He was, he was not happy. I mean... Uh, Jaron got ejected, right? And yeah. Yeah. Frank Clark was mad about it. I guess. Yeah. I don't really. It doesn't. It's weird to me. The whole thing is weird to me. Couple of kids, hotheads. Um, but 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 Wagner had the twelve tackles, but he also had two sacks. KJ had seven tackles and a sack. Clark had a sack. Santa had a sack. Eight total QB hits. Yeah. Good. Five sacks. That was a good. I'm glad Michael Bennett backed up the, the the narrative coming out of him getting his new contract was like, oh, but this guy only has three sacks this year. And it's like, yeah, but he has so many hits and hurries and he's so good. And he's and been he plays, so injured and still. He, and he plays defensive tackle and defensive end. He like does so many things for the Seahawks. Yes. And so that 
then for him to come out and just get a sack right away, I was like, yeah, that's my guy. Right that's something I wanted to talk about, by the way. I saw an alignment this game that I haven't really seen, and I wonder if it had been there because if everyone was healthy. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there were a few times, maybe it was because Reed was out, but the defensive line on a clear passing down featured Averill and Marsh at defensive end, Clark and Bennett yep. at defensive tackle, and they ran like hmm. and they ran like stunt games on every play. They had that defensive line on the that field. That is a hell of a situation to deal with as an offensive line. You have to. You're going to have. That's to a be, lot of rush from anywhere. Yeah, say, a, there's a lot of speed and athleticism on the field in that formation. Yes, yeah. that's a that's a little turn in the defense that Carroll's given us going into the postseason. Well, and if you're Kaepernick, good luck. You know, you want to take off, okay, but you have these four guys who could get you on backside pursuit. Yeah, like that's that's a really dangerous pass rush to be able to bring those. It was on a couple of those like third and ten or mores where it was clearly going to be a pass play. They just said, "Okay, we're going to put our four best pass rushers on the field and go after you." And if you're rushing four, that's a that's a good four to rush. Yeah, how did Kaepernick do in this game? He was really efficient. He was seventeen for twenty two. Yeah, um, I thought they did good, but they did they did terrible on third down. Which is what, 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 kind of how we we buttered our bread in this game. Yeah, and Seattle played the game that they were playing earlier in the year, where they just said, "Okay, we're going to give you everything underneath, and that's everything you get." So, you know, uh, they had like two yards per carry on the ground. Um, that's Shondron. Uh, we <laughs> want to talk a lot about how he's having an efficient game. He was twenty-one carries for forty-one yards. Huh. Um, they stuck to the game at least. Dewan Harris ran uh, four times for negative one. He pulled a Reggie Bush. Um, <laughs> Forever will be Reggie. known that Reggie Bush set an NFL record. He ended the season with negative four yards. That's awful. Yards. That is awful. You know, aside from Jeremy Curley catching six out of eight for sixty-one, they didn't really do much of anything. Like Kaepernick had a really efficient game, but their offense just didn't move the ball much. Like Nate said, they struggled on third down. They had no consistency in the run game, and so they it Luckily, was just okay. You get a lot of underneath passes, and you'll never make anything out. That's of That's how Kaepernick scored that touchdown that looked really good underneath pass, and yeah. he had a little more time. And Jeremy Lane played a pretty solid game, I thought. Luckily for them, we also struggled on third down, so it's like it, it evened itself out. It ended up being a close game. Yeah, we sucked in the red zone. Yeah, it just lots of field goals. I mean, not a it, lot of touchdowns. Honestly, they're the worst team in the league and we only beat them by 2, so it didn't feel very good at the end of the game. They're not the worst team in the league, just the least talented. I think they're the worst. If if you take away coaching, which I actually think Hugh Jackson's not a Hugh bad Jackson's coach a either. Good coach. Like I think that they're they're less talented than the Browns by a pretty significant margin. I would agree with that just because look at the ownership in San Francisco. Look what that look what that team is. And, and they had Carlos Hyde on IR. So it's like here's your Without Carlos Hyde, best okay. player. And he's a. I mean, at least, at least the Browns have the Crow, man. Oh, I hate you a lot. Oh man, the Crow, Isaiah Crowell. All right, so uh, we're gonna go to Detroit. We spent way too long talking about the 49ers game, so now we have to. <laughs> you just took the reins. We're going to Detroit. All right, so we have Matt Stafford coming in. Well, we Detroit have... is going to us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can I break this down in two stats? Yeah, Detroit's three it. and five on the road. We're seven and one at home. I feel like we're a different team at home. We play much better in terms, of, especially along the lines, which is not surprising with a young offensive line. If yeah, we're not but, playing the Cardinals, uh, and so the offensive line is going to look pretty good because their pass rush is, um, yep, and their whole team is defense is like. Uh, Sure. They're Detroit is one of two teams where when you look at DVOA numbers, you're going, wait a minute, they made the playoffs? Because they're 27th in DVOA, Houston's 29th. Yeah. Everyone else is like top 15 DVOA. These two teams are just really... I mean, If it's you're a, playing one of these things or not like the others, I could tell you which one gets circled. It's a bottom five defense. Like, this defense is as bad as all the bad de- defenses. Who do they DVOA have on their puts defense? them at 32. Raw numbers put them in the bottom I know five. Pro Football Focus has them a little higher than that, but it's not like a lot. It's like 27. Uh, they have Darius Slay at corner, and he's solid, but he keeps getting hurt. Um, they have uh, Ziggy Ansa. Yes, I wanted you to been... say Ziggy Ansa so bad because it's just like it's a ridiculous name. He's been uh, injured a lot. He only has like three sacks this year. He's been battling a ton of different injuries. Um, they have, uh, I can't remember the name. They have a linebacker that's really talented, but 
Um, he's more of like a, a tackle machine kind of player. Um, they have some dudes, but they've had a lot of health issues, especially the secondary. But they're not very good. They're not Bottom good. I, I think if health were good and if they didn't have a um, – and if Detroit had any kind of a run game, this would top out as like maybe the 18th to 20th ranked defense. But health was bad and Detroit had no run game and they got left out to dry. And so they're one of the five worst defenses. I mean, this is one smart thing that Jim Caldwell does is that he slows the game down because he knows the defense is terrible. He runs this like time consuming offense that keeps his defense off the field and limits the amount of possessions. But it's super like West Coast underneath passing. Yes. And then so then at the end of the game, he's always within like, you know, 10 points or so. And then that's how they keep coming back at the end of these games is like they get one stop and they score twice and then they win by four. Yeah. It's like. It's kind of it's kind of weird. It's and it they've won a ton of games really close. They've been very fortunate, uh, and it's but it's Jim Caldwell saying like I know my defense is terrible. Let's keep them off the field. <laughs> Let's try to make sure our offense milks the clock as much as possible. Okay, so if they're yeah, going they're under lead, quite a bit. They're leading rush. They're leading rushers. Theo Riddick, who's on IR. On IR now. Yeah, he has three hundred and fifty-seven yards. Do you think? Do you think the guy they got from, the best white running back in the NFL though? Th- that's what I wanted to I was bring gonna up. say. The kid from Zach, South Dakota State, Zach, Zach Zenner. Zenner, who according to Michael Bennett is the greatest white running back in the NFL. Is that what he said? Let me he's, give you this. Let me give you this. New, uh, he's the new uh, uh, Peyton Hillis. There's not many white running backs in the NFL, but he has to be the best right now. He's doing such a great job of cutbacks and hitting the hole. He's a really good back. I know all the stuff he did in college. Three state seasons, 2,000 yards. I don't care where you're at. If you can do that, you got amazing talent. But let's go back to that first one again. There's not many white running backs in the NFL, but he has to be the best right now. And let's be honest. That's a great line. Zach Zenner is is not that good. He's 25 years old. He averaged 3.8 yards a rush on 88 rushes. Like, yeah, D- Detroit is not like the best rushing blocking team, but they're they're not the worst either. Uh, in adjusted line yards, they are uh, worse than Seattle. They're the 31st team in adjusted offensive line yards. So they're you're right. They're not the worst. They're the second worst. I don't really. I've watched. I don't think that's completely accurate, but I think they're a bottom five offensive line they, as far as run push. They just like seem like they're just they they run the most vanilla. They, it's like watching Mike Mc, a different Mike McCarthy coach. You know, it's like the most boring <laughs> vanilla offense, and it just like kind of chugs along and it scores some points, but it's not like it's not great. It's not exciting. They throw a lot of. Short passes. Yes. Which is a thing that we can maybe take advantage of. Which when you have like some all right receivers, like Golden Tate's like a like a good number two and not a great number one. And uh, Marvin Jones is like a solid number two, a great number three, but not a number one. Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden is really old. He is the success is for it, the wait, Lions, though. I just think we should grab his bandages, and after he runs out of them, An- he'll turn to dust. Anquan Bolden can still play the game. Is it Anquan Bolden with the with the new face, or Anquan Bolden's old face after he got you know? Because he had he looks like a different person after he got that facial reconstructive surgery. I will. He I'm going to keep saying this until I die. But he got that facial reconstructive surgery when he was on like the Jets and Ravens. Jets? Ra- no, was he a Jet? He, he was, was never a Jet. It was a long time ago. Are you th- was he on the Cardinals? Long. No, it was before Cardinals. Must there was no team was before the Ravens. Cardinals. He was drafted by the Cardinals, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, no, draft. he was drafted by yeah Cardinals. It was on. He's on the Cardinals. You're right. So he's on the Cardinals, and he just like yeah, he looked like a different person after that. Maybe he is a different person. That's what I'm saying, dude. Are you just thinking of a different person? Nope. Nope. Check this out. <laughs> Anquan Bolden. I'm a You're Google doing the difference. Okay, this is surgery. great. This, this is, is great, great radio. radio. Here we are. Hit the plus 15 seconds. Oh, my See, look at this. Look at this. Oh, okay. You know, honestly, that's that's quite different. That's, that's J.J. Stokes on the right. <laughs> that was just, they just put, they just took any other, any other they just took a wide receiver yeah. okay, okay. In, a, in a red jersey. That's that, that looks like, okay. That's Jordan face crying. What are you doing? Either way. <laughs> that was Barry Bonds. You could tell it was a San Francisco hat. And I will Bond- keep doing this every time we pop up one of those pictures. Anquan Bolden can still ball. Anquan Golden, greatest white running back in the, where we no, go. No, no, no. <laughs> Seriously, he, he can still ball. And don't forget, Golden Tate 
Golden Tate's always looking for revenge because Golden Tate is a punk. If we have Deshaun, if we have Deshaun Shed to match up against Anquan Bolden, I'm not worried about Bolden because Bolden's really physical and crafty. But if you have a big body uh, defensive back to go against him, I think that you can negate a lot of what he does. I agree with that because he is. You need the big body, and also, like you said, Bolden is crafty. But I guess what I'm going with Golden Tate. There's been there's been a little the gilded the gilded Tate. There's been a little talk about him this week. Uh, for some reason, the contract terms got brought up by Pete Carroll. Um, and why hey, why we didn't resign terms them? Were not correctly. Uh, uh, you put forth to the agent or something? I don't know, or something weird. They never reached I have Golden no idea. Tate. They only got to the agent, which means, I guess, the agent was doing his job. Yeah, I don't really understand how this is news all of a sudden. But let's face it, Golden Tate is a guy who would love to stick it to his old team. He hasn't won against us yet. Oh, This would the be way, the time. The Anquan Bolden got his face hurt against the Jets. That's why that was in my brain. Oh, okay. Just so you know. I'm, I did, I've, once again, I have Google deep-dived. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. I'm asking Kevin questions on here. <laughs> I must remember why I said Jets here. Hey, man, this is the Week 17 podcast. Uh, Sounds like there's always hail. <laughs> we have to get we have to get ready for this possibly disappointing postseason. Okay, so anything else you want to no, talk about with the Lions? Past, we should get past this one. I don't think that the Lions are really very good. Really quickly, I want to do a quarterback A, quarterback B. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I want uh, to talk Matthew Stafford. Quarterback A was... Had 388 completions on 594 attempts for 65.3% completion. Quarterback B had 353 attempts for 546 yards for 64.7% completion. Quarterback A threw for 4,327 yards. Quarterback B threw for 4,219 yards. Quarterback Hmm. A threw for 24 touchdowns and 10 picks. Quarterback B threw for 21 touchdowns and 11 picks. Okay. Overall impression? Very similar. I would say quarterback A is slightly better than quarterback B. But if I had quarterback B and I looked up to quarterback A, I'd be okay. All right. So uh, quarterback A was Matthew Stafford getting MVP hype. Quarterback B was a mostly injured Russell Wilson throughout this year. Really? Ooh, and that hey, was... And with any take, quarterback C, 71.8% of his passes completed, 20 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, Oh wait, no, yeah, and three thousand five hundred and seventy-six yards. A thousand do, less yards. Do you know? Yes. Do you know who that is? I'm just gonna That's guess. Uh, Tyrod Sam Taylor? Bradford being mediocre. That's NFL record holder Sam Bradford. <laughs> wow. So so now let's seventy-one point eight. Sam Bradford because <laughs> what is we needed this a new Trent Dilfer. Seventy-one point eight percent. That's nuts, dude. That's just you know crazy. I one hundred percent hate you right now. That's <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. want stats. Hey, I'm just saying if you like blind if you blind take the. The, sometimes, like, if you blind take a stat line, though, like, the player can sound really good. I mean, that is a great stat line that Sam Bradford put up this year, but, like, then you think about it and you're like, man, they were 5-0 and and then they lost so many games. They went. Yeah, they were this year's Falcons. It's like. Well, and think about it. If you look at what Matt Stafford done on the Lions, I mean, they've limped into this playoffs. They've lost the last three or three of the last four. That's not good. And we've. We played three bad teams down the season. We lost one of those games. We struggled in the, one of the other games. That's not great either. But yeah. Matt Stafford, he, like six weeks ago, we, we talked about MVP hype. And I was like, I think Stafford deserves some credit. No, not anymore. Stafford is not an MVP candidate. Yeah, I think Stafford's that, a good quarterback. That, that, that I think he's taking a step. thing has really funneled down to three guys. We're in a position now where it's, Tom like, Brady, it's like Tom Brady Tom or Matt Brady Ryan or and, and Aaron Rodgers. Those are the only thing people yeah. think people are talking about anymore. And I think Rodgers is going to get it, even though I think Ryan probably deserves it. Just because he's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, people yeah, like Aaron Rodgers. I, I would like to see Ryan get it just because it'll be the only one he ever gets. Dude, Ryan completed 70% good. of his passes this year. That's nuts. He I, deserves it. I don't think people understand how hard it is to complete. Like, I'm, I know, Ke- I know Kevin and especially Brett hate Sam Bradford, but you gotta give credit to anyone who throws and completes 70% of passes. That's I nuts. am giving him credit. That's, I don't think he's the worst quarterback in the NFL now. I think he's mediocre. That's nuts though. 70% is nuts. And Matt Ryan did it with much more volume. And he threw 38 touchdowns. Like Matt and Ryan. And he also threw a, for like 4,700 yards or something like that. Yeah, Matt Ryan was nuts this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, he threw for almost as many yards as Kirk Cousins. 
Just trying to make you mad. That, that was that was intentional trolling. You're the worst. Everyone, weird, everyone listening to the podcast was like, "Oh my god, I hate this guy." Which it's is so exactly funny, though. Seriously, like, how weird is how weird is every position in the NFL this year? It's yeah, ridiculous. exactly. Yeah, I think this is a good example of like we have what like we talk about how bad the offensive lines are, but the sacks are down all over the league. Well, I was looking at play uh, DVOA for playoff teams. Uh, there are almost no teams that have a top. 15, let alone top 10 offense and defense. Like, every team has glaring flaws. Well, another thing, too, is like only seven guys threw for 4,000 yards this year, and everyone just talked so much trash about how bad Joe Flacco was, and they're right, but he was one of those seven guys. Was and Drew really? Brees threw for 5,000 again. Well, close. Oh, close. Didn't, didn't he fall just short? No, he got it. I thought he got like 4,000. Unless he got a negative completion. Uh, last I checked, they were saying he went over 5,000. No, I thought he just. I thought he just barely fell short. Maybe it's like Madden. Every time he throws an interception, nope. it's, yeah, he made it. Yeah, five thousand. Five of the nine five thousand yard games. Yeah, uh, love love Drew. Oh wait, I'm looking at one. I'm looking at the stats before week seventeen. I'm smart. <laughs> yeah, he did not make it. There Thirteen guys left. threw for four thousand yards. Still, one of them was Joe Flacco. <laughs> yeah, which Joe Flacco did not throw for negative yards in, the in last week seventeen. In week seventeen. <laughs> um, yeah, it's Detroit made it to nine wins, but they did it. You know, the best teams they, they beat. Ten wins they or beat, nine wins? They got nine. Nine and seven into the playoffs. They beat, uh, they beat Indy. They beat Minnesota twice and they beat Washington. Those are the quality wins on the year. Huh. I mean, you know, Seattle has not had their quality wins in a while. You hate Indianapolis. But they beat Miami, Atlanta, and New England. Those are actually three teams that are in the playoffs, two of which are actually good. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Detroit's, I mean, it's possible Seattle loses this game because, I mean, we almost lost to San Francisco and they're terrible. Let's face it, I'm not. Or as Charles Barkley would say, they're terrible. I'm not trying to be unfair here, but this is a Seahawks podcast. And as I was telling Kevin on the way here, I love Seattle sports. I will root for the Sonics to come back until they do. And at that point, I'll be really happy and then just happy we have them back. I will root for the Mariners, even though they piss me off and they suck. The Seahawks, I will love till the day I die. But I'm looking at the season like I don't see us making the Super Bowl. I don't see us making the NFC Championship game. I'm really disappointed in the way this season has gone. I feel like Earl Thomas is a bigger hit than we can get past on defense. And this offensive line is so terrible that we cannot overcome any of our offensive woes because of it. We're lucky every team in the playoffs except for New England has warts because... Like, that's the only way we're going to go far is if we, we go into Atlanta and it turns out, you know, hey, they actually aren't really that good. Uh, Matt Ryan is finally going to have his bad game because he's had, he hasn't had a bad game all season. They come know? off slow off of a bye so, week or something. So they, yeah, they come off the extra time off and now they're, they're just, we kick them in the mouth and then our new signing, Devin Hester, uh, returns a touchdown against his <laughs> former team. Running I cannot believe we fantasy. got rid of Tyvis Powell for Devin Hester. It's so disappointing. I'd rather put Tyvis Powell back there returning it's kicks. So there was sh- no one else we could have got rid it's of. So so short sighted. How about Bradley Sowell? <laughs> Tyvis, Tyvis Powell seemed like he had potential as a safety or cornerback, but whatever. All right. Anyway, I think you know that's basically the through line. It's this game should be winnable because we can, and then Atlanta or Dallas. It's one of those. Okay, Warner Ryan has his bad game. Dallas. Dallas is losing to the Giants or the Packers. I'm sorry. Like well, I, I'm like if, a true believer on this it, one. If they make it, we have a good enough run defense where we could force Dak into making rookie mistakes, and I could see that being a win. I think right. that's how I Dallas think, loses. Like, yeah. could, I think ideally for us, Dallas would be the matchup, and that's Dallas the, is that's the best the route matchup to the Super Bowl. for sure. But I mean. It the route to the Super Bowl is we, through Atlanta and Dallas. This team is lucky that every team has words because we can still get to the Super Bowl on this kind of down year, weird year. Well, and if it's Green Bay, Green Bay has to come to Seattle to play, which, again, gives the team a better chance. Either way, this still has to happen. I mean, all these things have to happen, and that's a lot to happen. We have to turn it on for the playoffs. If we come out and we play like the best football we've played all year, which, let's face it, isn't really saying a lot. I mean, we would have to look... Just, you know, just a little better at things. You know, if we run the ball uh, consistently for over 100 yards, if Russ has a great passing game, we don't have to even rush for 100 yards. If we rush for 80 yards on like 18 carries, I'm okay with that. 
uh, if Russ has a really big game. The defense needs to get to the quarterback like we did against San Francisco or at least force some turnovers. And sorry, I'm not trying to pick on you, but Richard Sherman. I want you to have a Richard Sherman game. And this is the type of game that will fill me with confidence. The Rams game in our stupid color rush uniforms did not fill me with confidence at the end of the season. The Certainly the loss against the Cardinals did not fill me with confidence. This 25-23 to win against arguably the worst team in the NFL did not fill me with confidence. So it's really tough looking at this and being excited for much beyond this game or even this game. And I'm going to the game. So, oh, you are going now? Yeah, uh, Brett was uh, executive producer, Brett Hancock, uh, said, hey, you want these two tickets? And I was like, because eh, I got to pay for them. And he, I was like, are you going to get a bunch of money for it? And he's like, here, uh, let me let me know tomorrow. And then he's like, do you want do you want them? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, well, I can sell those two, and then I have a single left. Would you go alone? And I was like, yo, dog, when I had season ticket, I went alone all the time. So uh, I just said, yeah, screw it. I'm going to go. Just, just by myself, with my by myself. You know what you go, like, though? Go with two people you don't know. Casey. I know Casey. Oh, Casey. Is he going with his wife? Casey's going to be uh, there? Yes, and I'm going to ask him if he knows who the champ is. Casey and, and his wife are pretty His cool. wife's really cool. He's yeah. probably going to throw fries at me. It's okay. I'll smell good the rest of the game. Uh, you know what you'll get to watch, though? You'll get uh, to watch dog what will likely be a rather successful run game. Because... I don't think so. I don't think we can run on anyone after last week. Detroit... Is worse I know, in but short yardage against as than San Francisco. I know they're like, worse. You'll be looking at a really stable run game. We should be able to just like even with adjusted line yards, you should be looking at four yards per carry. So the game I described, the game I want to see, is what we could very well see. I think there's a really good chance at it. Okay. I, here's the thing: either you'll see the game you want to see, or we probably lose. Ugh. If we, I mean, good thing Detroit fans probably aren't showing up. Uh, let's, let's end this. Let's end, let's go to movie night. Let's get our picks in because oh, there's really nothing picks, more to say about this game. In. Seahawks 21, Detroit Lions 17. You want me to go, Kevin, or you want to go? Wanna go? Okay, so we're playing at home. I still believe in this team. I still love this team. I still love everyone but Bradley Sowell, uh, on this team, just about, and Gary Gilliam. I love most of the team except for the offensive line. Let's just go there. And Tom Cable and Daryl Bevel. Uh, 27, that is the Seahawks. The, Det- the Detroit Lions. What did you say, Nathan? You had 21, you had 21, 17? Mm-hmm. I got 27, 17. Eric, would you look at that number right there where I put the score prediction underneath the plus and minus? Because what you'll see right you here is oh my goodness. 27-17 so Seahawks. We are in agreement that there's going to be 17 points put up by the Detroit Lions. The we team, are assembling Voltron. The, the team, speaking of Voltron, the team with the most unexciting lion helmet in the NFL. They're, they're right up there with the Browns for me in helmet excitement. But we, we agree that the Seahawks are going to outscore 17 points. Yeah, against this defense, I, I think you okay. have to say that. I believe it. I like it. Let's, uh, let's Russell Wilson can be magical for more than 17 points. You know, yeah, Russell Wilson's really good at football, but Ciara is in like a hiding area because Golden Tate's coming to town. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Boo. <laughs> I got him. Got him. All right. Uh, oh, that was that's a fun noise that'll come through in the microphones. Man, you're my favorite today, Nathan. <laughs> let's uh, let's why, go. Why don't you unwrap another peanut butter cup to go with it too? <laughs> oh, that peanut butter cup was so good. And, yeah. dive, and dive deep on Google. Kevin, give us <laughs> give us the plugs. All right, you can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we are Seahawks Nest. You can find us on Facebook at the Seahawks Nest. You can find us at our website from thehawksnest.com, which gets updated sometimes. Uh, SoundCloud's best way to find us. Uh, look up Seahawks Desk on SoundCloud and you know, give us likes, give us reviews, interact, ask questions, get answers. Hey, I'm going to say something right here. We have been stuck on freaking 1980 Twitter followers for so long. I'm tired of it. Tell two people, tell one person to like our tw- us on Twitter, to follow us on Twitter. I tell just three wa- people what I just wa- actually will. If, if, when the first number is a two... I will give a sticker away to the first person to direct message me after we have 2,000 followers. I will mail you stickers, okay? So 
please tell someone. Tell your friend, and then after we get 2,000 followers, just send me a direct message and be like, hey, dog, I see you got 2,000 2, followers now. And then got I'll, you there. And then I'll send you a sticker. And maybe if I feel really nice, I'll send the next person who does it a sticker. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we also have to give uh, big shouts on Patreon because we have oh, another Patreon yeah, follower. We do have another Patreon follower. Right uh, Cody from Federway Auburn area is following us on Patreon. Oh yeah, we have seven Patreons now. There you go, Cody. Uh, joining the ranks. So we've got Joshua, Kimberly, Michelle, the Legion. This is the Legion of uh, of giving us money. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, you are, uh, you are, I'm truly a poet. You are as clever as you are non-disruptive tonight. Hey, you know, you know, uh, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do, you know? I don't know. Alright, come on. Do what you wanna do. You are a wordsmith. By the way, by the way, Cody, Augustine, Michelle, Carrie, Brian, Josh, Kimberly. Those are, that's our crew. Hashtag squad, uh, 420. Blaze it. No, no. <laughs> no, that's all of our Twitter followers. You, you're making the wrong references. <laughs> Quick, to movie club. Let's escape this. Uh, movie movie club. Uh, I wanted to pick a movie today that I thought wouldn't take too long because we already talked for so long about the 49ers game, but that Eric, How do we do that? Eric would like. So I'm picking an uh, animated film. Ooh, you got me. Uh, animated Is there film a Doraemon movie? I don't where know. the main one of the main characters is voiced by Vin Diesel. Oh, this is not... What is it, this Eric? This is not The Last Unicorn. This is uh, one of the... I already know immediately when you said Vin Diesel. This is one of the three movies that is guaranteed to make Eric Ronnebeck cry. Would it be The Iron Giant? The Iron Giant. All right, so, Eric, I knew that, I knew this would kind of be in your wheelhouse. What do you What do you love about... I want you to kind of just gush a little bit By the way, really, really quick before you do this, um, I was hoping when you said animated... That you were going to say in honor of Tom Coughlin possibly getting a job with Jacksonville, you were going to do Up because... <laughs> <laughs> That's Up is... That a... could work. Okay. You want me to gush up about... the documentary about <laughs> Tom Coughlin. Yeah. Um, the balloons are in Jacksonville. I was going to say, can he can he bring the the standings, the, the winning total of the Jacksonville Jaguars into the clouds? I will say there's as much football happening... In January in Jacksonville, as there is in the movie Up. No spoiler alert, but I guarantee that no matter what happens, the Jags are going to crash and land at the top of a waterfall that really <laughs> is still below the clouds. Let's just let's just be honest. All right. Okay. Iron Giant. What do I love about the Iron Giant, Nathan? The innocence, the wonder, the child, the love of childhood, and all the the great things about it. This is a movie about a young boy. Uh, his name is Hogarth, and he is in a small town. Doesn't great, have great fake name, by the way, Hogarth. Yeah, yeah you just know his absolutely. Parents <laughs> well, he has a single mother. Uh, I also had a single mother, and he has no friends where he lives. Growing up in Queen Anne, I was the only kid there. Uh, Hogarth goes out. He sees. Uh, he says he's seen giant lights late at night. He he goes up. He sees a giant train wreck. He sees the Iron Giant when I lived in Queen Anne. I, no, I didn't see the Iron Giant. But, uh, I just love the way that basically this alien from space, he's a giant iron robot, and he befriends Hogarth. Hogarth befriends him. Hogarth gives him a place to stay in his barn because it is a small rural town with barns and whatnot. Uh, meanwhile, there is a terrible man from the FBI. Who's, who's researching what has happened because strange things have been reported and they just, they send the guy that no one likes down there to check it out. And it is none other, uh, voiced by Shooter McGavin. Yep. From Happy Gilmore. And man, what a prick. This, from the, from the moment he pops in, you're just like, ugh, this guy. And he starts following Hogarth around town. Uh, Hogarth. Creepy because he's a kid. Yeah. And, uh, Hogarth teams up with a, uh, with a beatnik. Uh, voiced by one Mr. Harry Connick Jr., and he has a junkyard, and the Iron Giant loves to eat metal. Yeah, uh, he sure does. What we do learn it's in the movie. One of my favorite things about the Iron Giant is eating metal all the time. They're, they're not really, uh, they don't really talk about it in the film, because uh, we don't know what the Iron Giant, if he is a war machine sent by aliens, or if he is just, that's part of his defenses. I know that there's like a deleted scene. I read because I read a little bit about Iron Giant. When I put a movie on the list, I read the Wikipedia article for it. There's like a deleted scene where he's like he sees other uh, 
of like guys that look like him marching in a war. Yes. So like that's yeah. Like he a has like scene. a Vietnam so they, flashback. It's like it's like a flashback, but <laughs> that's like a deleted scene, and I think they took it out of the movie on purpose that because would be they, they were they were like trying to make it more ambiguous his origins. Interesting. That's that's really telling because ultimately, uh, when when the Iron Giant's defenses go off a couple times in this movie, he could just destroy the world in just by himself, and uh, he you know. Hogarth says, like, calls him a gun, and that is one of Vin Diesel's best lines in this movie. Is when he he very defensively and very hurtfully says to Hogarth, "Not a gun." Yeah, guns kill, not a gun. Yeah, guns kill, not a gun. That is one of the most beautiful things about this movie, and what that is one thing that sums up the movie for me. The other, if you haven't seen this movie, just go see it. I'm going to tell you part of the end. It's not going to ruin it, but when uh, they launch a nuke to kill the Iron Giant, they're also going to kill everyone in this town. And the Iron Giant is misunderstood. He's not a jerk, like Shooter McGavin. So, <laughs> the character's not named Shooter McGavin, by the way. But so, uh, so you know, Vin Diesel in his awesome voice, uh, you know, go, looks down to Hogarth and says, uh, you know, basically, I'm going to go up and take care of this. He says, you stay, I go. And as he takes off, and uh, Hogarth just looks at him and says, I love you. And that's, that is why I love this movie. That that makes me cry. I'm not going to cry now because I'm in a room with two dudes, but that is why I love the movie. There are two things about this movie that are very special to me. One is it has that like 50s to 70s monster movie vibe where yeah, in the end yeah. you're going like, turns out we were the monsters all along. Mm-hmm. And it pulls that off really well. You just yeah. alluded to how they kind of wrap that you, at the ending. You are what you what you want to be is like a theme in the movie, right? Like yeah. kid, doesn't Hogarth say that? Like you get to choose what you want to yeah. be or something like that. That's like a huge theme throughout the movie, Kevin, definitely. And uh, the other thing is that it firmly established that if you want an animated character that says very little but has tons of character, you need Vin Diesel to voice him. And uh, the people who make Guardians of the Galaxy, they learned that well. This is Figured that out. This is a genius thing you just stated, Kevin. Wow. Yeah, because Vin Diesel, I'm seeing this guy in commercials for Triple X2 all the time, and I'm like, man, this is not a handsome guy. What What is going on? This This movie looks terrible. It's because Vin Diesel can inflect emotion in some way. Yeah, we and I will say say this: this was like this is Brad Bird's directorial debut. He oh. goes on to make like Ratatouille and uh, The Incredibles, which are both awesome. Also, Excellent. what we just talked about. Uh, so up, he had he he did. He's, he's involved, but he didn't direct. It. No, but he was very heavily he involved. Produced in it, yeah. Yep. But uh, the. He was big in a lot of the Pixar stuff. The but Brad Bird's an awesome director, and I like the reason this movie flopped when it came out was because the marketing was like non-existent. Like I don't remember anything. I don't remember ever seeing any marketing for this when I was a kid. It was it didn't marketed have a, like super like it didn't have a McDonald's toy. It didn't have you know <laughs> what I mean. Like it wasn't like a lot of the animated movies when I was a kid where you'd go to McDonald's and you'd get the McDonald's toy and you'd do all this stuff. It was just like. Like, I heard about it because I saw it at the video store, and I was like, what is this? And I watched it. You know Nathan, what I mean? didn't you and I rent that from Video Vault? Probably. I seem to I remember totally, us <laughs> enjoying totally, that over a super greasy pizza once. I can totally imagine us doing that, because it's just like, it was one of those movies, like, I just didn't ever hear about it, and it super flopped commercially. Like, we rented that, Survivor Series 97, and WrestleMania uh, 94. Hey, <laughs> Nathan, who's the female voice in this movie? Jennifer like Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Knew it. Yeah. The other thing that's really cool about it is the animation style. If you remember, like the um, the Rescuers movies, or uh, oh, yeah, yeah, was it a uh, Fievel goes west? Five, then American Tale two. Fourvel, Fievel, Fievel, okay, Fourvel. <laughs> to this day, stabby little fellow. To this day, when people <laughs> have that a, was just for you, Dave. To this day, when people have like a smaller face and are kind of cute, boy or girl, and they have big ears, I say they look like Fievel. Nice. To this day, not Fourvel though. He's no, stabby. Poor little stabby. <laughs> um, <laughs> I keep wanting to do the voice, and I can't do it, because no. I keep laughing when I think no. about it. Brad, Brad Bird also did uh, Simpsons, though. Don't forget that. Uh, he was one of the... Uh, we don't hold it against him. The, no, good good Simpsons. Good Simpsons. Yeah, good King of the Hill. Like yeah. oh, Good King of the yeah. Hill was really good, Brad, if, if Brad Bird is involved in something... The thing I'm, about Brad Bird I'm is that Tomorrowland movie sucked. Let's just uh, throw that out there. Um so, movie? That Tomorrowland movie. Oh, did he do that? Yeah. I never saw that movie. He directed that and co-wrote it with Damon Lindelof. Anyway, let's just... 
Let's just uh, stick to the stick to the the prize here. Yeah, okay? even John Woo watch watch Iron Giant. Make your kids watch Iron Giant. It's a good one. It's I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. It's an hour twenty it was minutes on Netflix for a really. If it's long not, time. you can borrow it from me. Yeah, it's it's a real <laughs> it's a real short movie, and it will uh, not waste your time. It's awesome. It's a classic, and it's it's not that old. And it plays well with a lot of different ages. Like like my son really enjoyed that from like age five or six, just because it was like oh giant robot. But um, as you get older, it's you, you can start appreciating some of the sophistication of the movie, and it has a lot of depth. It's a good one. And one of the other things that's nice is when you go to watch it as an adult, you get that wonderful thing where you're enjoying it on a different plane than the kid who's enjoying it an equal amount in a different way. Yeah, right. There's like a nice like anti uh, nuclear war message going on here too, which might yeah. be exceptionally uh, <laughs> uh, important in the coming years. <laughs> you know, this really did. You know, I'm glad you brought up the Ratatouille uh, angle love, because uh, Ratatouille is my favorite Pixar movie. This does way. point towards a lot of what Pixar started doing because that's what's made Pixar's movie so good is that they appeal to the kid and the adult on different levels and constantly. All right, well, that's that. We're going to wrap it up. Um, thank you for listening. I uh, hope you enjoy the Iron Giant, and I hope you enjoy the Seahawks victory. Uh, I'm Nathan Santo. That's Kevin Garber. That's Eric Ronnebeck. Follow us on Twitter at Seahawks Nest. If you notice we have 2,000 followers, let me know. Send you a sticker. Peace out. Seahawks. Seahawks.